Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Vable F1 podcast. Uh, I'm joined by Callum Owen and Joshua Fletcher. As normal, no Callum McAvoy today. Um, just a very quick thank you to uh, Callum Owen for taking over uh, in the hot seat last time, um, previewing Russia. Uh, I listened to it on my way up to uni, so I probably wasn't really listening to what you were saying because I was extremely nervous. <laughs> but um, I know you did a, a fantastic job, so good stuff there. Um, so, yeah, a lot to talk about um, since uh, we last spoke to you or since I last spoke to you. Um, we've obviously had the Russian and the Turkish Grand Prix since the last episode. Uh, the 2022 provisional calendar, I guess, has been put out um, because obviously, I remember Callum said at the start of this year, we're probably not going to see every single race on the calendar go ahead. And it's probably going to be the same with this one. Um, so, yeah, we've got the 2022 calendar to talk about. And then we're off to America at the weekend. I was very close to putting an American accent on them, but I'm not going to. Um, yeah, we're off to America at the weekend uh, for the American Grand Prix. I think it is the American Grand Prix, isn't it? It's not anything else. Um, so, yeah, the American Grand Prix. Uh, we'll have a little bit of a chat about uh, the circuit of the Americans and what we think is going to happen. Um, obviously, we had the Russian Grand Prix um, a couple of weeks ago, well, well, nearly a month ago now, wasn't it? Um, where we obviously had rain at the very end um, of the race, which obviously led to some uh, pit stop confusion. Obviously, Lando was left heartbroken after not pitting. Lewis pitted and it really, really worked out for him. Um, and then we went to Turkey and we had more pit stop confusion. Uh, Lewis wanted to go to the end of the race, didn't, had to pit. Um, and it cost him um, a possible win. Um, and he obviously ended up finishing fifth or sixth, um, much further down the order than his championship rival, Max Verstappen, who's six points ahead of him. Um, I'm going to stop talking now. Joshua, as a um, Lewis fan, first of all, how have you been in the last few weeks? Um, and what did you make of that Turkish Grand Prix and Lewis's kind of pit stop, well, I guess, strategy or lack of strategy, you could say? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. It's... It's it's great for racing, obviously, to see someone push him so hard and so far. I see. I'm still still got belief to win it. It's only eight points or something. I think uh, not Six, even yeah. that. So um, it's still close. But I think Mercedes has struggled this year with their tactics, especially with Lewis. There's there's sort of seems to be a lack of communication, or there's a lot going on. There's been a few races there where sort of they, they disagree or they just don't get them in at the right time I think back to Monaco he dropped he dropped two or three places at pit stop where you really shouldn't be doing that uh, track like that so almost become used to it now still holding out hope and I still believe that I think he's he's got it I think if he can get a good run in the next couple of races build a build a gap but a couple of the tracks suit Mercedes Colin suit um, Red Bull so it's it's going to be close but I don't know you never know with Hamilton he always seems to put out the bag even when he's even when people doubt him Callum, good to see you again. Um, obviously, we were just talking about that Hamilton stop there. Do Mercedes need to be a little bit more authoritative with Hamilton? Does, does Bayern just say, right, no, you're coming in. The best thing to do is to change these tyres. Um, obviously, Lewis is driving the car, so I guess Lewis is kind of in control. Um, but do you think Mercedes needs to be a bit, a bit tougher with him, even though, obviously, that respect needs to be there. He is a, a seven-time world champion. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because, and I think Hamilton's maybe the only... So maybe Hamilton and possibly Fernando Alonso and Sebastian Vettel, who are, you could really argue are bigger than their team. And just due to the, the success they've had together, the titles that Hamilton has won, he's kind of, not that he thinks he knows best, though he might, he's in that position where he will do what he believes is best. And whether Mercedes can be stronger 
with him. I'm not sure whether they can maybe sit down as a team and work way through it. So you've got to trust us. Just because of the nature of this title fight, there really is no room for mistakes. So I think listening to the team and maybe finding a happy middle ground that suits Hamilton and the team on strategy calls would be the best scenario for both. And I think with, with wet races, they're probably the hardest ones to call. Um, if, if it's, you know, you're going from a soft to a medium, it's kind of a bit easier to try and plan an undercut or, or whatever. And you can see when when tyres are burnt out. But with wet races, obviously, the teams have got loads of data. The driver is obviously on the track himself and knows what the conditions are like. So it's obviously, it knows what his tyres feel like. So it's obviously um, a lot more difficult. One man that, you know, I was saddened to see fail uh, his pit strategy was also Sebastian Vettel. You mentioned there, Callum. Um, came in and said to his team, let's give these mediums a go. Let's give the slicks a go. Um, and, and it just really did not work, did it, Joshua? Um, it, it was it was quite sad to see. No, it was. He sort of, he tried the risk. Obviously, I don't know whether there was some confusion on what he felt on the track and the data that um, his team were getting, but he tried it, he spun, and it it just it just didn't go to plan for him again. And it's he struggled this season. I think he, he's put in some great performances, but he sort of also struggled in that, that Aston Martin car. And I think he's going to take a grid penalty again this weekend, start from the back of the grid. So I don't know, maybe it's a settling in period. We've all sort of, we judge Daniel Ricciardo at Renault in his first season. Obviously, everyone's talking about Perez in Red Bull and if he's good enough to compete with Max. So, I, th- I think next season he'll, he'll probably enjoy it a bit more, especially with new regulations. Hopefully, Aston can establish themselves as a maybe potential title challenger. And I think it's fair to say Vettel's not had a, a terrible season so far. It's just kind of been what you sort of expect from him, given the standard of um, standard of car he's in. Um, Callum, just cast your mind back to the very, very start of the race in the first corner. Uh, Fernando Alonso was sent spinning around by Pierre Gasly. Um, on commentary, I remember Crofty saying that uh, the penalty Gasly got was harsh. Um, what did you make of it? It's obviously very narrow down there into turn one. Did you think the penalty was justified or do you think the stewards could have been you know, a bit more lenient considering it was the start of the race and it was turn one. Actually, I think considering Gasly got the penalty, I think out of the three cars involved, so Perez, Gasly and Alonso, Gasly was the least at fault. I think turn one at Turkey is a, it's a tight corner, but it's one where you can get cars through battling, but maybe not in the wet. So for Perez to throw it up the inside and for Alonso to try it around the outside, both men were putting a lot on the line and in the wet, with cars sandwiched together, it was never really going to work out. I think Gasly had to avoid Perez, but couldn't because Alonso was on his side. So it was always going to be contact one way, and it was just unfortunate for Alonso that it was him that lost out. So I'd agree it was a very harsh penalty. And uh, speaking of Sergio Perez, if Joshua, you make your way around to the other end of the track, um, Sergio Perez had probably one of the best on-track battles we might have seen this season with Lewis Hamilton. I think it was kind of four or five corners. It was from uh, the end of the DRS zone, wasn't it? Right the way through down to turn one. Um, a really good battle between the two of them. It's a shame Callum M's not here to kind of big up Sergio Perez in that battle as well, because we know how much uh, he, he loves him. But um, I assume you were you were on the edge of your seat and, and biting your nails, Joshua, during, during that battle. But, but nice to see as well that it was Hamilton and Perez rather than uh, Hamilton and Max. Yeah, definitely. It was... It was great racing, wasn't it? It was proper racing. It's what everyone wants. And it, it looked like Hamilton got him and he was going to go and push on and almost probably think you get the lead back. Um, and then Perez got him back and almost... And then you sort of... There was that battle, I think, depending on which line you fall into. Um, you thought Hamilton pushed him into the pit lane or you think Perez went wide and came out through the through the pit entrance and 
should have got a penalty for violating track limits. But I think I think the right outcome in the end, nothing, no further action. And great to see, obviously, it, it didn't come off for Hamilton in the end, but I think it was great racing. And I think that, that's most important for racing fans rather than sort of having oh, one driver needs to win all the time. It's it's great racing that's that's the priority with this. And Callum, just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I think it was uh, really good to see a driver kind of not break the rules in terms of Perez going wide, but it was nice to see a, a battle that didn't end in a, in a penalty for somebody, didn't it? And and what did you make of it? Did you think it was it was nice and fair, or do you think maybe uh, Hamilton could have given a bit more room? What, what did you think? I think it was. It depends what you class fair as. It was hard racing, so if you're a fan of hard racing, it was fair. But if if and I'm surprised if I didn't take any action on either side, just because of their track record. Because I think for them that sort of move maybe pushes the boundaries too far. I think for everyone else it was great to see. I think Hamilton pushed Perez as wide as he could. Perez had no choice but to go around the pit entry bollard, so I've got no problem with him coming back. Um, and it was just an excellent fight. Perez had to outbreak Hamilton, which is very hard to do because of how good Hamilton is. So I think it really was one of the best battles of the season so far. Mm. And I think if if a, if a penalty was imposed there, whoever would have got it, you know, would have lost. Um, you know, if, if Hamilton gained the position, he would have probably got a penalty for pushing Perez out. Um, and if Perez would have kept the position, which he obviously did, but if a penalty would have been applied, then um, he would have got that penalty for breaking whatever the, the pit lane rules are, which... I'm going to hold my hands up. I'm not. I don't read the F1 rule book, so I don't. I don't know what they are, um, and I probably should know them. Um, so yeah, that race finished uh, with Valtteri Bottas getting a win. Um, Joshua, I know you're a Hamilton fan, but really refreshing to see Bottas win. I know we've seen him win a sprint already this season, but great to see him win a Grand Prix for the first time. I think since Russia 2020, if I'm right. Yeah, I, I think we almost all saw it coming. That, that pressure was off. Now we sort of. Although sort of Mercedes still want to win, I think they'll, they'll probably go and win the constructors regardless of whether Hamilton wins the drivers. But he doesn't, he, he almost, I think for himself, doesn't have that pressure now of, oh, he's got to go and deliver every week because he knows he's going and it's, he can sort of almost relax. He's still getting points to the team with good points, but he's not competing for a seat anymore. He's got a good drive. He'll probably be the number one driver at that team next season. Um, and his pressure's off and he can enjoy his racing for the last, I think, eight races, whatever it was since that was announced. Six more to go now, and I, it's nice for him. I think he'll, he might get maybe another win this season, but get some more podiums. And uh, yeah, do, do do Mercedes justice and thank them for for giving him so long in the team. And then obviously, yeah, Max Verstappen came second in that one. It was um, a rare weekend where we've not really we didn't really have anything to say about him. I know Red Bull kind of said they really lacked pace. Um, in Turkey, which was you know quite obvious to see, um, but it was nice. To see, well, not nice, but it was just strange having a weekend where we weren't talking about Max Verstappen very much at all. Um, and then obviously Sergio Perez came, came third, who, who we talked about, and uh, commiserations to Charles Leclerc, who again probably could have um, possibly could have stayed on the tyre and finished the race. I think Pirelli came out and said that you know they had to make the stop; they probably wouldn't have survived. Um, but yeah, commiserations to, to Leclerc, who probably could have also gone on to win that race and was probably 
in the end, unlucky not to be on the podium, um, which leaves the championship looking like this. Max Verstappen is obviously leading it with 262.5 points. Hamilton second, 256.5. There's a six-point gap. Um, those point fives are really annoying. And obviously you guys spoke about the uh, the Spa um, thing when I wasn't here, so we don't need to talk about that again. Um, so yeah, uh, that's pretty much everything that we've got to talk about in terms of recent races and, and Turkey. Uh, moving on, um, I think it was either start of this week or beginning of last week or whenever, between the two races, anyway um the 2022 provisional calendar was announced and um, some of the key takeaways um china has been replaced uh, by imola obviously we've had you know covered decent races at imola in the last few years but callum i just wanted to get your thoughts on, on losing the chinese grand prix for what will be obviously the third season in a row you know 2020 21 this year and obviously we're not going to have it next year um i think it's sad to see i don't i don't know how you feel about it Callum. um if i'm honest i'm not the biggest fan I think it's given us good races. Uh, 2011 stands out, 2018 with Daniel Ricciardo performing a masterclass and how to overtake there. But I don't I don't particularly think it's a massive loss because we've had some poor races there before. Like we had the 1,000th F1 race there in 2019 and it was a shocker. But um, I don't think it will be off the calendar permanently. I'd imagine this is more to do with China recovering from COVID and sort of, I don't know what the restrictions are there, but I'd imagine a lot of it's to do with that. I'm happy to see Imola stay on the calendar because it's, I mean, this year especially, it was fantastic race and just a fantastic weekend all round. So, yeah, I'm more than happy with Imola over China. I think for me, as obviously someone that's got into F1 very recently, I've not seen much of China in terms of actual races there. The most the, the most I know about it is playing it on the F1 game. I do quite enjoy um, driving around there. That's probably the only reason that, that it saddens me to see it go. Um, but Joshua, even better news. Um, we're getting some of the classics back, ones that we always see. Um, they make us get up at very silly times in the morning here in the UK. Um, but Australia, Canada, Singapore and Japan uh, are all going to provisionally return for, for 2022. Um, which one of them? for is, is kind of your standout and, and that you're most glad to see back um it's two i i really do like australia um i think obviously it's sort of started the calendar quite a lot in the recent obviously not recent years when they haven't hosted it there um but it's almost feels right that that's back on now now it's a bit later in the year uh, obviously they've upgraded the track they've made some changes there so that'd be exciting to see uh also singapore and i'm not people not many people will like it, but I've, I've been on the track of Singapore, not during a race weekend when I was uh, I was on holiday in Singapore and I got, got down to the track. So I like Singapore for more nostalgic reasons rather than racing. But but that, it's, it's great to see so many great tracks back and I'm sure we'll touch on it in a minute, but a brand new track as well. So I, th- I think it's exciting and more races, more enjoyment. I know it's tough on drivers, but for, as fans, we want to see we want to see more racing. Yeah, uh, Joshua mentioned it there, Callum. We've obviously got Miami. Uh, we're going to see Miami uh, for the first time at the kind of the Hard Rock Stadium complex. I think is is the right way of describing it. Um, we've obviously seen some kind of um, simulations of laps around the track, and it doesn't really look anything that special. It looks extremely high speed, quite long, fast corners. Um, but you never know what Formula One can throw up. Obviously, with the new cars next next year. Um, but do you think, uh, Callum, that maybe we've got to maybe just, I don't know if this is classed as a street race, but maybe we do have too many street races on, on the calendar. What, what do you think of that? Um, I th- I'm sceptical about the Miami because the whole doing it around the hard rock our sort of street circuit sounds very Formula E to me, which I'm not a huge fan of. But then 
I'm, I'm hopeful because, as you say, it looks, it looks quite high speed for what it is. In terms of street tracks, I think we've got, without Miami, we've got enough because you can class Baku as a street track, obviously Monaco, Singapore. And I think that those three alone is a good balance. You've got a quick one, you've got your nostalgic one, and you've got Singapore, which is a big event under the lights. So I don't necessarily see the need for any more. However, I don't think I don't think adding Miami will be the last one that get, gets added, which is in the age that we're in where money talks and big cities want to host Grand Prix. And if they haven't got a track, then you have to put one in the streets, which I don't think creates the best racing. So it could be a big problem going forward in the next couple of years. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to see about that one. I think it's... I think the way it is, it's not technically a street circuit, but the way they're building it is like a street circuit. The barriers are going to be close. There's not going to be much runoff. Um, you know, that kind of style seems to be, I think, the way they're going with it. Um, so, yeah, we've got uh, 23 races in the space of 35 weeks, um, which just seems unbelievable. Uh, we start in Bahrain on the 20th of March next year and finish in Abu Dhabi on the 20th of November. And the early finish, obviously Abu Dhabi is usually the first, second weekend of December. And the early finish, obviously, next year we've got the Qatar World Cup um, the, the Football World Cup, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with that. So we're finishing early to accommodate for the World Cup, which starts on the 21st of November. So that'll be the day after the, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Um, Joshua, how much of a challenge is this going to be logistically um, for the teams and, and for fans and for even people like us who are watching it on TV every week who are kind of used to having a week away from it and then coming back, whereas now it's going to be every single weekend? They've made it hard for themselves, haven't they? I think... I, I know sort of it's not just easy as, as fans looking on paper, but I think they've got Miami, then they go back into Europe and then come back to do Canada and Mexico. And it sort of seems logistically you should have had USA, Canada, Mexico, sort of not as a triple header, but you sort of, you have those three in, a, in the same gap rather than flying to America, flying back to Europe, flying back to America. Um, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be intense. I, I even if if COVID's still still prevalent, I think you get you, you get a driver or a team member come down, you potentially lose them for two or three races if you do dual headers and something. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be very demanding for the drivers. I know they're professional athletes, but that's a lot of travelling. It's there's a lot to it. But I think it's great for fans. I think obviously for something like this, we're gonna we're gonna be producing a lot of content, and a lot more content on a much regular basis, which can be good for us. But um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting it's going to be i don't know if 23 races will stay for the long term i think we've already had drivers say it's, it's too much um and maybe we'll see we'll see some races drop off and go back to a 20 or 21 race um calendar just just so there's that bit more of a break but it's a lot it's very intense and i think obviously the world cup coming into play it being in the winter is is difficult as well you've got to get 23 races into you lose almost a month or so. Mm. I suppose as well, Formula One is is now. I think that you know the people. A lot of people describe it as the fastest growing you know sport in the world. Whether or not that's you know statistically true, it certainly seems true in terms of 
I, I've noticed the amount of people my age or, or our age in general that are interested now or becoming interested in Formula One has, has you know, shot up. Um, so more races can only, you know, be a chance to get more fans in and uh, into the grandstands or either uh, watching in front of their TV screens. Um, we've obviously mentioned about an increase in races in a shorter amount of time. Another increase we've seen, and I know uh, when I wasn't here, you spoke about this. Um, you all had fairly negative views on it. Uh, is we're going to see an increase in sprint races, um, I'm afraid, for next year, gents. So um, the, the BBC website says six um, potentially next year, rather than obviously just three that we've had this year. Um, Callum, I guess you are kind of going to be repeating yourself, but I guess this is something that you, you're not particularly impressed about. Um, it's not that I'm... I think I'm glad it's six because I was worried it would be more. I was half expecting them to come out and say half half of them are going to be sprint races, which I think would be the wrong way to go. I think the sprint race as an idea works. I think the way it's been carried out doesn't. I, I doesn't doesn't mean I think I could fix it, but um, I think it it really depends what circuit they do it as. It's got to be one that encourages overtaking, one that's easy to overtake, and we've just got to hope the drivers start to go for it a bit more. Otherwise, we're going to have races like we saw at Silverstone and Italy. Not an awful lot happened. Italy, I mean, obviously Hamilton lost places at the start, but then after that was fairly pinned in behind um, the McLarens and Verstappen. But at Silverstone, very little happened in terms of actual racing. Far Alonso's good start. And right, you think you're getting into it, the race ends. So I think six, six might be a bit of a happy medium between what the fans want and what F1 want to do but I do think it needs rethinking. And uh, uh, Joshua, what, what are your thoughts on, on sprints returning next year? Is, is the, do you think maybe we should try something, you know, a different format of sprint? Do you think maybe the sprints, Callum touched on it there, should it be a little bit longer as soon as you're getting into it, the race just kind of ends? Um, and are there any tracks that you think, you know, would work or really would not work for a sprint race? So, for example, Monaco would probably be the worst sprint race ever. Um, you, you know, your, your thoughts kind of overall and any tracks that you'd like to see it tried up? We've obviously spoken about it a number of times. I, it's it's so hard to perfect because what we, what we want to see racing and it's, you almost get to that point of, oh, you're starting to enjoy it or it's starting to get interesting and then it ends. And it's, I think it's, it, Obviously, we can't. We don't know what we're talking about in terms of, or in the contrast to well, F1 organisers. I think for me, it almost be better to to do that on the Friday to set to set like a. You can't even like set a qualifying structure, but just to do something and still have qualifying mean something because qualifying on a Friday to set a track set a grid for something no one really cares about. It just feels pointless. It takes away the the meaning of qualifying. Um, I don't know where I don't know how we'd fix it I mean I think we've spoken about maybe I think Alonso has as well about doing almost um, hot laps you get sort of two you get two hot laps around the track and the fastest times win and that sets the grid I, I don't know it's it'll be interesting I, but sprint races I think they need some sort of change it's, I yeah I don't like the idea that sets the grid because it then what's the point in doing qualifying almost it's, it just feels a bit boring. Um, I, do, I just think the thing with, with sprints is, I think the main thing is, yeah, okay, they're, they're probably a decent idea, but let's just change it up a bit. Let's make them mean something. Let's make them mean a bit more than, you know, setting the grid for qualifying because, like we've already mentioned, the fast cars just come to the front, the slow cars go to the back, and we've just got a pretty normal grid for the race on Sunday. 
which is then fairly boring. Um, so yeah, I think just just make it a separate event. I think is kind of the main takeaway from this, and we'll have to see what F1 do next year. Good luck to them, and hopefully they come up with some decent ideas. Um, some of the key dates for you next year: so Australia comes back on the 10th of April. That's usually the season opener. It's not this time. It's Bahrain. And um, obviously, I think reconfigured one of the corners as well. Um, so that would be interesting to see, to see how that works out. Uh, Miami, the new one, is on the 8th of May. Uh, Monaco is always one that you look out for on the calendar. That's on the 29th of May, as it usually is the, the May bank holiday weekend. Um, Canada returns on the 19th of June. We go to Silverstone uh, a little bit earlier than last year. We go on the 3rd of July this time. Um, Singapore uh, is on the 2nd of October. And then Japan is just a week later on the 9th. Um, and then we obviously finish in Abu Dhabi on the 20th of November, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to um, add in that kind of came into my mind uh, while we were talking about this is that we've had another new track added to the 2021 calendar. Uh, we're going to be visiting Qatar um, towards the end of this year. I think it's the penultimate race, if not the one before. Um, we've obviously got Jeddah to go to as well. Um, but this Qatar track, Joshua, uh, we'll come back to you. It just seems a little bit of a strange one. It seems like more of a motorcycle track than a, than a Formula One track. I don't know if you've, if you've seen anything of it. Yeah, it's very hard. I think F1, I think probably going there for the money, commercial aspect of it. I think there's been a lot of complaints about going going to um, Qatar, obviously with a lot of um, issues around that sort of country and sort of human rights issues and stuff that fans aren't happy that we're going there and have suggested a lot of other tracks in is still in the Middle East or in... Um, in Asia that might have been a better prospect but um, I don't know it's it's on there presumably for a reason it doesn't really feel like an F1 track um, but we'll see you never know we sort of we talk about this all the time and then sometimes they surprise us so we might get some good racing there maybe not but it doesn't feel like a track that's going to excite fans for a number of reasons. Mm. Um, and it's not quite in the Middle East or, or Asia which is kind of where we are going to be based kind of after you know the American Grand Prix this weekend but we've still not been to Africa in, in either a very long time or ever I think um, so you know an African race could could have maybe been slotted in there or maybe just nothing um, but we'll have to see what, the, what this track is like but Callum the question I want to put to you is we've just talked about the sprint races do you think a high speed track like this guitar track or you know like the Bahrain um, alternative layout we saw last year do you think that could be something that you know, where we could try a, a sprint race or even like a different weekend format overall, just because obviously I don't think we're ever going to see Qatar, a Qatar Grand Prix again after this year, by the sounds of it. Well, we won't be seeing a Qatar Grand Prix at um, this circuit, but I know there's a, there's a 10-year deal in place, although knowing if one, that'll be mm. a street circuit. Um, I think... <laughs> um, I, I think we won't see a different weekend format this season. So which kind of rules out the whole idea of using this sort of outlier Qatar track to test a new format. I think a new format could be used, but um, I don't think we'll see it this year. In terms of Qatar as a track, I don't know if it's the right place to go. As you said there, it's a MotoGP circuit. It works well on MotoGP, but it has a lot of fast flowing corners that don't really encourage overtaking for an F1 car. So I'm sceptical about that. I'm not really sure how that will pan out. Yeah, lots of lots of issues as well, you know, um, as Joshua touched on as well, lots of political issues that we're not obviously going to go on to um, uh, on the pod. But 
lots of uh, other issues outside of motorsport as well that that um, people aren't particularly pleased with. I'm sure, um, as, as we know, Lewis Hamilton will be fairly vocal about that while we're there. And I'm sure the other drivers will be as well. Um, let's turn our attention to this weekend then. Um, We'd get a lion this weekend. Uh, you can you, know, you can lie until about eight o'clock in the evening. And um, I think Fridays we're recording. I think practice is practice one is at five or six o'clock tonight, something like that. Uh, Qualifying is at ten p.m. on a Saturday night. That's weird, isn't it? And then we've got an eight o'clock race start uh, in the evening UK time on Sunday, and that is because, of course, Formula One is in America. Um, the Sky pundits. I've, I've listened to podcasts where the, you know they've chatted and interviewed the Sky pundits, and they said. Outside of Silverstone, what is the best track to go to? And they always say, you know, nine times out of ten, they'll say Austin um, because of the whole atmosphere and the way the event's put on. We know Americans like to do things very, you know, they, they glam it up and make it all dramatic and everything. Um, but Joshua, you were saying before before we hit record that you're not a massive fan of the Circuit of the Americas. Is it What is it that, that doesn't kind of excite you about, about the American Grand Prix? I think that is, I don't know. It sort of, it doesn't, I don't know, it's just I've never really enjoyed enjoyed it as much as I have other tracks. But um, I don't know, from what I've been reading, it, it suits Mercedes, which therefore, in theory, suits Lewis Hamilton, which therefore, for me, is, is a good thing that maybe he'll go on and get max points and bridge that gap, I think, even if, if, he, if he might even be able to overtake um, Verstappen with a, with a win and hopefully if Mercedes dominate, I think he might he might go into the lead of the driver championship again. So I'm sure it'll be an exciting race. I know a lot of people enjoy it. It's it's not been one I, I religiously follow a sort of and sort of know a lot about. Um, but I'm excited about watching it and learning more about the track and hopefully maybe become one of my one of my top tracks. But um we'll see. We'll we'll get into our predictions, but I think it looks like it could be a track that the Mercedes and Lewis enjoy. Callum, is there anything that's, that's exciting you about about this weekend? Apart from you can probably have a nice chilled evening watching Formula One, at, you know, for, for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What is there any? What are your thoughts on on Cota, as they call it, the Circuit of the Americas? Um, it's a difficult one because it's always just because of the nature of its calendar position. It's either in the run up to a title decider or is a title decider. Not last time we were here, Hamilton won the title at Cota, so. I think that definitely helps it because I think without it, I'm not a massive fan of the track. Just like Joshua said, this it doesn't stand out for me. And not to say it's a bad track, it's just not one of my favourites. So I think it does help. It's coming up, it's all hotting up now. There's six points between it and in the championship races. See the McLaren and Ferrari battle. So I think that helps it. But I wouldn't say I'm overly excited to go to Cota. I'm just more excited to watch F1. So not many races to go. We're going to, we're going to come to that in, in just a moment. Let's talk about what we think is going to happen this weekend. Um, we'll start with uh, pole position, first of all. I've got Lewis Hamilton uh, to get on pole position. and that, That's going to contribute to my wild prediction that's going to come in, in a couple of minutes' time. So I'll put the Lewis Hamilton is going to be on pole position for this one. Joshua mentioned it's a Mercedes track. Um, Mercedes seem to have the edge over Red Bull at the minute, um, after Turkey especially. Um, so Joshua, we'll fling it straight over to you. Uh, who have you got starting on pole for this weekend? Also gone for Lewis Hamilton, reasons that we've we've all touched on. It's it's a track historically Mercedes have performed well out, obviously. Um, I think Hamilton hasn't won there for a couple of years, but it's it's a track that traditionally suits uh, Mercedes rather than Red Bull. And 
it's it feels like it's a race he needs he needs to perform well in to have a shot at uh, an eight World drivers championship. And Callum, are you making it a clean sweep of, of Lewis Hamilton um, pole positions? If you're not, who is it going to be? Um, and then tell us what's going to happen on Sunday in terms of your top three as well. Um, I think I I agree the fact that historically it's a Mercedes track. However, I have said Max Verstappen will end up on pole purely because I think this is a weekend in the course of this season and maybe the course of Verstappen's career if he performs well, could be looked back at. This is probably with the remaining races, this is the biggest Mercedes sort of stronghold. And for Verstappen in the best car he's had in his career to come to Cota and really put performance in, it could be a another coming of age performance from Max. So I'll say Max for pole and I'll back him for the race win. I think it'll be tight between him and Hamilton throughout. I think even Bottas, with just the freedom he's got at the minute. So I'll go for Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas in qualifying and in the race. Big calls there from Callum. A season-defining weekend this could be for, for Max Verstappen. Uh, interesting, interesting. My um, my prediction is I've got uh, Verstappen, Bottas, Norris. Um, I just fancy, you know, Lando for a podium um, at the moment. I was thinking, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Leclerc, Perez? But I thought, no, we'll give Lando a shot. Um, I'll come to my wild one in a minute. I, I'm really building this up too much, aren't I? Um, so no Hamilton in there, obviously, as you've probably noted. Um, Joshua, let's come to you. Give, give us your top three. And then if you want to bring us on to the wild predictions, feel free to do so. I've gone pretty boring. I've, I've gone for the same race result as my quarterfinal result of Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen. Um, maybe I'm bigging up this Mercedes dominance too much, but I, th- I think, yeah, I think Hamilton knows it's, it's a race he almost has to win especially going into, into Mexico and I think Canada where Red Bull traditionally did quite well. Uh, it, feel, it feels really vital that he gets he gets a good result. And I think with Bottas winning last time out, he almost could act as that buffer man. And um, so yeah, I've gone I've gone Hamilton Bottas for Stappen, but inevitably I'll be I'll be wrong. Um, and wildcard, I've gone no McLaren top five, which obviously quite contrasts Ooh. your prediction of a of a Norris podium. Um, I think Perez would be fighting up there again, and uh, probably Leclerc or Sainz will round up that top five. Uh, I think I, I really like McLaren. I like the two drivers there, but I don't know. I think this weekend perhaps they could struggle. I think Lando finished seventh last time we were there, so I don't know. We'll see. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, with, with the wild ones? You, you either, if you're not too sure what to do, you either go for something that's that's fairly realistic, like McLaren not not finishing outside the top five, or you go for something that's quite unrealistic but could could happen. Um, so my, mine, I probably should have mentioned mine when when I did qualifying as well, um, because I've also got George Russell to qualify fairly well, um, and then I've got a Russell and Hamilton collision just to kick off their relationship for next year. Um, <laughs> whether maybe. That's Verstappen pushing one into the other or, you know, something like that. But I've just got a Russell Hamilton DNF collision as, as my wild prediction, um, just to make things a little bit more exciting. And obviously that also works with what Callum said about this being a, a massive weekend for Max as well, if he scores 25 points and Hamilton scores zero. But I just think, I, I'd just quite like to see, even if it happens in any of the last five races, I'd just quite like to see something happen between those two, just to kind of see you know, how, how that relationship's going to start. It could be a bit awkward on their first day back in, in February or, or whenever they go back to the factory. Um, so that's mine. Uh, Callum, let, let's pass it over to you. What have you got for us? Mine's a bit of a climb down 
from Matt. <laughs> um, it's not particularly wild. It's more of a could 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 well happen. I've gone for Alonso to be the best of the rest in qualifying. Whether that's fourth or fifth, you don't ever. It depends how if Perez turns up and it's fifth. If it doesn't, if he doesn't, then it's fourth. But Fernando Alonso, obviously, he's raced here a lot. His Ferrari and McLaren days. He's always performed relatively well here, obviously relative to what car he's in. But wise old head, a technical track. I think Alonso could do quite well. Good stuff. So moving on, then we've got uh, not many, to, not many races to go. We've obviously got um, after this, it's, it's Mexico and Interlagos back to back, and then after that, we go to Qatar, and then it's uh, Saudi Arabia before we then go to. Abu Dhabi. Um, I think it's appropriate with what is it five races to go now, six races to go. Um, that we make up. Uh, we, we made our predictions at the start of the season, which we are going to come and look back on. But I want to get your championship winner right here, right now. Um, I'll start with myself. I'm going Max Verstappen. Um, agreed with what Callum said completely about this being a big weekend for him. Um, so yeah, I, it, for me, it's going to be Max Verstappen. I just think that something's going to happen in the five races. I, d- I don't think. I don't think it's going to be one-twos for Hamilton and Max for, for the next five races. I think something is going to happen that will give it to one of them. And hopefully, um, well, in terms of my prediction, hopefully uh, it's Verstappen that it falls for. Callum, what about you? If you could give me a, a winner right here, right now, um, who would it be? Max Verstappen, but it will go down to Abu Dhabi. Fair enough. Fair enough. So me, there's me saying something could happen in the, you know, in the meantime, um, but I think it would be equally as entertaining if it went down to Abu Dhabi and, and that final race. Joshua, what about you? I mean, this is a bit of a waste of time asking this question because we all know who you support. So, um, my my heart obviously says Lewis Hamilton. My head at the moment says Max, but I, I agree. I think there'll be there'll be some there'll be a big moment if it's between the two of them. There'll, there'll be something. Uh, I'm not sure we'll go down to, to Abu Dhabi. I think it's the hope, isn't it, that it goes down to the final corner and sort of whatever needs to happen happens. But oh no, uh, that would just be awful. I have I have a, I have a sinking feeling that there'll be contact between those two, and one of them will DNF, and that would be that would be the title title done. Whether it's that race or the next, it would be an insurmountable gap. Um, head says Ham, um, head says Verstappen, heart says Lewis. Uh, but I'm, I've got to stick with what I said at the start of the season. I think I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton in the end. You mentioned that final corner of Abu Dhabi, Josh. I, I can see you sat on your bed behind you there with that <laughs> TV with, with the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix on. They're coming to the last corner wheel to wheel and, and Lewis loses it and you're just jumping back. And, no, okay. um, I don't think a flatmate would be too pleased with you. No. Um, but yeah, let, let's hope whatever it is, it's something entertaining that happens that, that causes it. Let's hope it's sort of boring end of the season after the excitement we've all had. Callum McAvoy just messed me. Uh, he thinks Sergio Perez is still going to win the championship from here. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, um, but we shall uh, have to wait and see. Um, so, yeah, great to be back. Great to be speaking to two of you. Hopefully uh, we'll speak a lot more as well between now and the end of the season. And it's going to be a good one. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, make sure to check us out on, on Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Uh, leave us a review, like or whatever it is you can do. Um, and, yeah, follow us on Twitter at f one uh, Have a look at the website, babel.com slash Formula One, I think. Um, and, yeah, that's it. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.